welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by the two usual suspects. First things first, he's back. Not from vacation, but just back on the podcast. You missed the last one. Is Mike McDaniel. How you doing, Mike? I'm feeling better. I've been dealing with bronchitis for a couple of weeks, so I think I'm finally turning a corner. I'm on my second antibiotic, but... Um, I was in rough shape when you guys last recorded about a week and a half ago. So appreciate you guys carrying the torch there without me. I was in really, really bad shape, but better now. Hey, we're just glad you're on the mend. Ricky LeBlue is back. This one actually from vacation, and he has some gripes with the airline. How you doing, buddy? You know, it's a shame, right? Because I run social media for an organization, and I understand that you're going to have people that uh, aren't having a great time with your organization. And I was not having a great time with American airlines, but um, stuff happens. It is what it is. I'm back home um, and I'm able to record this Hokies podcast while drinking a Hardy wood fight and Hokies, which is quite delicious. Um, So things could be a lot worse. Yeah, and things could certainly be a lot worse on the men's basketball front, but fate chose the Hokies this time around. We'll talk about it and what it means for the future. But first, we got to thank our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number. Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts, our great friend, and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need all right gentlemen the Hokies I mean I I thought they were dead in the water just turning the ball over left and right it was an ugly basketball game that was maybe saved by some good defense on the other end but Darius Maddox gets the ball off the inbound steal pulls up immediately drains the three And a few seconds later, the Hokies emerged victorious, keeping their postseason dreams alive. I want to ask you guys this, just looking back, historically speaking, when was the last time Virginia Tech basketball came back from being essentially dead in a game like this? Is there anything we can compare that to, or or are we in uncharted waters? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I'm not familiar with one. Um... So I'm, I'll, I'll have to claim ignorance a bit, but yeah, like uh, tech seemed like they were completely dead in the water, as you said, Andrew. And um, it was basically the exact opposite of the first Miami game where Virginia tech played well enough to win. I think in most people's minds and didn't. Um, and in this game, Virginia tech, at least in most people's minds did not play well enough to win. And they did. Um, but it's nice to be on the other end of that equation for once, because it seems like throughout the, you know, our times as Virginia tech basketball fans, we've been on the, on the former is not as much as the latter. So a very important win and a nice change of pace, not being uh, completely heartbroken for once. Yeah, I agree. Like that was a game on Saturday that, you know, there have been a lot of games this year where I've, I've looked at Virginia Tech and I've said, you know what, like they were the better team for most of that game. And then the last four or five minutes, the offense has gone completely stale, right? Or 
you know, they haven't found enough ways to create baskets late. Um, but over the last, I better part of the last month or so, they've found themselves on the winning end more often than not. And it's because they have been a bit better on the offensive end. Um, Saturday, it was an interesting game. It, it was kind of a weird game from a statistical standpoint. Um, Virginia Tech, in a lot of ways, played well enough to win on one end of the court. And then on the other end of the court, they'd make a play. You're like, okay, now they're playing poorly enough to lose. It was very, very odd game. Um, Virginia Tech certainly looked dead in the water there before Darius Maddox you know, lifts them with that late three. Um, Virginia Tech had 21 assists on 29 made baskets. That's really, really good. The problem is that Virginia Tech also had a season-high 19 turnovers. So that's why this game was a one-point win and not like a 10-point win because there were possessions in that game where I'm like, all right, this looks like a Virginia Tech team offensively that could win this game by 5, 10, 15 points. The problem was they continued turning the basketball over. I'll tell you what was really frustrating was that it was blacked out in my area. Um, and I was working, I was working with my sports illustrated job on Saturday. So I didn't go down the rabbit hole of trying to find a stream. So I had to go back and rewatch this on Saturday night, once it was available online, which was fine. Cause I ended up knowing what I knew what the result was. So it ended up being fine. It was actually a pretty decent watch, but it was really frustrating at the same time because going back and seeing the turnovers that were committed a lot of times, very silly turnovers, you know, sometimes you're trying to make a play. It doesn't work out. Okay, fine. You know, you'll live with a turnover, especially if it's not a live ball turnover. But Virginia Tech had way too many live ball turnovers in this game, um, especially in the first half. Miami got out and running there the, the last five or six minutes of the first half. Virginia Tech was leading um, up by six or seven at one point and let Miami right back in it towards the end of the half to the point where Miami was leading at halftime because they had a couple of really stupid turnovers there in the last three or four minutes. It just made you scratch your head. So this is a flawed, I mean, this, this is a flawed offensive team, right? Like there are games we've seen what the ceiling could be with this offense. Uh, we we've seen what they can be when they're operating at, you know, close to full capacity, even maybe they're not clicking on all cylinders. Saturday was a weird one though, because they played well enough to win this game by 10 or 15. And then they played poorly enough also to lose it with the, with the 19 turnovers. It was, uh, really head scratching, but it was nice to be on the winning end of one of those games. Right. I feel like Virginia tech's been on the losing end of a lot of these kind of 50, 50 toss up games this year. It was nice for Virginia tech to get on the winning end of this one because they needed it bad. Right. I mean, they needed a, a quadrant one win really, really bad for the net um, for the slim chances they have of potentially making the tournament. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that Mike, their net actually dropped a slot yeah. after beating Miami. Well, uh, well, which... part, well, part of that can be credited to, I mean, obviously, it's got to hurt your offensive efficiency score when you turn the ball over 19 times. But you had seven of the top 10 lose. So some other teams got some really quality wins in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was a kind of mixed bag. I mean, there were a lot of bubble teams that ended up winning on Saturday, um, including Virginia Tech, of course. So I, the Hokies at this point in the season can only control what they can control. And it was it was good to steal that that Q1 win on the road, especially when like Ricky mentioned that that first Miami game, I thought Virginia tech was the much better team in that Miami, in that first Miami game and Miami hits a half court heave. And you know, what are you going to do? It's a tough loss. How many times have we it just in football or basketball? How many times have we said that good teams find ways to win 
and bad teams find ways to lose. And Virginia Tech needs to find ways to win games right now because they need every single win that they can get. Well, no, but in all seriousness, that was the story at the beginning of the season. You know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. You look at the buzzer beater against Miami. You look at, at the offensive and turnover turmoil that happened in the, the final three minutes of that game against UVA, the first of the two matchups. And Virginia Tech was finding ways to lose. Now, we have a situation where I, I think against Miami and against Georgia Tech, there were moments in both of those games where you're like, how the hell – are we even competing against Georgia tech for the better part of the game? It was couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. If we were standing on the beach against Miami, it was the turnovers, even against North Carolina in what was kind of the antithesis of that Florida state matchup where everything was going in. It was nothing would drop, but they were playing a good enough defense where you're like, how are we even a run away from getting ourselves back into this one? You can actually make, you can actually make the argument Virginia tech's best game that they played out of this last three game stretch was in the loss in North Carolina. Virginia tech just didn't make anything in that game. Defensively, they were really competing. Well, part they of basketball is making shots. They Big made part. like, well, yeah, they made life difficult on Armando Baycott, but like it was like historically bad three points, historically uncharacteristic three point shooting. Like they did everything horrible. better than they usually do, except for the thing that they're known for. And that's hitting the, the exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so since beating, hold on. I, I just want to make sure I have this correct before I start going off. So tech beat Virginia, right. And they were on the next four out. Am I, am I correct on that? on Joe Lenardi's bracketology. I believe that is so, correct. That is correct. After the Virginia so, win, they were the last team in the next four out. So they're the eighth yes. team out. They're so, the eighth team out. Right? So they then lose to Carolina, which, again, not a bad loss, but obviously a missed opportunity. And then they go 2-0 <clears> and <throat> after that. And we go to Joe Lenardi's bracketology <clears throat> for today, and Virginia Tech isn't even mentioned. Are you sure it's not been updated? The, they're not on the first four out. They're not on the next four out. Are you looking at his Twitter or are you looking at ESPN.com? Looking at ESPN.com. I think he tweeted something out today that would suggest that Virginia Tech is like the fifth or sixth team out. I'm not totally sure. They are the, according to his Twitter, updated a few hours ago. So I'm, my guess is that the, the website's not updated. Leave it up to ESPN to not update the most important page on their website. They, this time of year. Can we talk about how poor I don't want to totally derail this, but ESPN does a really poor job with their webpage. Well, the fifth. Yes. But I, and at as the you end should of the podcast, when we always talk about um, the, like w- w- any last words, I do have a soliloquy. I want to go on about the blackout. So just oh, excellent. That okay. Um, Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, they are so, the they are the fifth team out right now. Yes, I'm looking first at that team. now. Yes. Okay, that Very makes good. that makes a lot more sense uh, because I was under the impression that Virginia Tech was a bubble team, and I'm thinking to myself, Tech needs to win their next two games and at least one, probably two games in the tournament to just to just be on the bubble. Like if they want to play themselves in they've got to make probably the conference semis in order to secure themselves in the tournament and i'm not even sure that would do it well i think we've been having a conversation for the better part of a month and you think back to 
you know, when the ball first started getting rolling for Virginia Tech back in early February. And it was easier at that time to say, well, we just need to win X amount of games. But now here we are, you know, this podcast will probably be released on the 1st of March or late on the 28th of February. And you have to factor in that there's other teams in the bubble that can do themselves favors too. Now, as Mike said, all Virginia can, Tech can do is control what they can control and win the games ahead of them. And obviously there is a surefire way to make the NCAA tournament. It's called winning the ACC tournament. I don't think anyone is banking on that. But I, I think that a week or two ago, the debate was what does Virginia Tech need to do in their final six games in order to secure themselves position? And it was kind of a debate between four and two and five and one. And here we are today uh, on the eve of the first of March. And it looks like in the regular season, it's going to have to be five and one. They got their one loss that was against North Carolina. I don't see much of a path if they lose to either Clemson or Louisville. Those are just too bad of losses right now. And then frankly, once you get to the ACC tournament, then you're probably going to be playing Clemson or Louisville again yes. in that first round matchup. So yeah. those are three games that you need to win. And I think if you win those three games, then we're going into selection Sunday as fans of Virginia tech. And we're saying, okay, we have a shot. You maybe could make a compelling argument that we got hosed just because at that point, right. They would have won 12 of 13, 13 out of 14 down the stretch. And yeah. the analytics are in our favor. And, you know, you could imagine having to be a lawyer in front of the selection committee and, and say, well, we had a COVID issue. Uh, it took a while to get the rotation right, this, well, that, and the other. But you need to win those three games. And then if, I think if you beat Notre Dame, then you really feel like you're – Or I'm assuming that Notre Dame would be that second ACC tournament game based on the way that things are shaking out right now. If you were to beat Notre Dame there, that's probably another quadrant one win, which, by the way, that's part of the in. importance of the Miami win, right? Because you finally don't have that goose egg in the quadrant one category. But, yeah, at that point, you're probably in. But I think that the – Control what you can control scenario right now is you're facing three large sample size, clearly inferior teams. There's going to be one at home, one away, and one on a neutral site, and you got to win all three of those if you want to have that conversation. So I used to get really worked up um, about teams that missed the tournament, like when they were on the bubble, like, oh, their resume was better, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Virginia Tech will have no room to complain if they miss the tournament this year because they haven't played up to their, their level of, of, of what they can do. They haven't played up to their potential. Um, as bad as they were to start conference play, you can't uh, struggle that much and only have one quadrant rent win and then complain about saying, oh, well, the analytics say we should be in. So Virginia Tech needs to go earn this damn thing. And – um, I'm moderately confident that they can win the next two. And once they get to Brooklyn, there's no way of telling what the hell is going to happen. That's going to be a really weird atmosphere. I'm not sure the turnout's going to be very good. So the atmosphere is going to be mediocre at best for most of those games. Um, anytime you get teams in a tournament setting, uh, things get kind of, kind of squirrely from time to time. So we'll see, but nothing is as important as the next game on the schedule right now. And um, Virginia tech certainly has their hands full uh, tomorrow against Louisville. Yeah. And, and at that matter, what I think is interesting though, is Virginia tech has been playing with that 
you know, almost fatalistic level of desperation since early February. The tournament for Virginia Tech has frankly been going on for quite some time. There was That's such fair. little margin for error, and it seems like this team has risen to the moment in that regard. But I agree with everything you say, Rick. I just think it's kind of funny, right? Because though Virginia Tech has had that, that stretch of success, and correct me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen, but I guess we made the tournament in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2021. And in all of those years, I feel like by the time we got to the final two games of the ACC stretch, we felt like we were in. So I feel yeah, like it was, a, the... it was a lock all, all those years. There wasn't yeah, by, really a, by this point, yes. a day where they were sweating it like that. So this will be the first time that Tech's really been sweating it since Greenberg. I don't know, 2010. I, I have... I was going to say, I'd have to go back and think maybe like back to the Greenberg era. Yeah. Um, that's probably accurate. I, 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 mean, I specifically remember a year in that, in that era. I can't remember exactly which year where I felt like tech deserved to be in and they weren't in. And I remember complaining about it then when I was younger, but now that I think about it, anytime you're a bubble team, you know, you have, you have done enough to play yourself out of the tournament. You're just hoping you get lucky at this point, right? Yeah. No, um, we're not we're not an undefeated Cincinnati getting left out of the college football yeah, playoffs. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Could. <laughs> right. Like you lost to Boston College in Chestnut Hill, you know, you lost to <laughs> at noon in front of 250 people, yeah. most of which were immediate friends and family, half of them were yours. <laughs> yeah. You lost to NC State in Blacksburg, you know, or um or was that on the road? I don't know. First NC State loss. Bad. Dude, do, doing this radio stuff uh, every day, I mention every single day that we talk about Virginia Tech basketball. I'm like, well, at the end of the day, none of this would be a problem if we had just beaten a bad NC State team at home, beaten Boston College on yeah, the road. Yeah. And it even, is what it is. <laughs> and even, I mean, and even that Wake Forest loss at the beginning of conference play, I mean, yeah, Wake, Wake Forest, Wake Forest is probably going to be in the field. At the same time, Wake Forest is not, you know, 25. There was a point in that game, Virginia Tech was trailing by 25 points. Like, Wake Forest is not 25 points better than Virginia Tech. Like, that is, it's not a, a bad, like, looking back on it, we've talked about this before, looking back on it, the loss is not as bad as we thought it was at the time, certainly, um, because Wake Forest is better than we all thought they were going to be this year. But at the same time, we can all agree, like, Virginia Tech is not 25 points worse than Wake Forest. Like, Wake Forest isn't Duke. Right, they're they're not a top two team in the East. We ECC. played Duke much better than we played Wake Forest. Right, that's what I'm we saying. Two so, weeks of each other. Yeah. So and 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 losing to you know losing to these other bubble teams, right? Like losing to Dayton. Now, great, you you beat the crap out of St. Bonaventure, but they were they were hobbled. They were you know uh, Kyle Lofton had just returned to the lineup. He's their star guard. He just returned to the lineup off a really bad sprained ankle, so he was not 100. percent I think he had like six points, and then. Uh, St. Bonaventure's other star player, I can't think of his name right now, was like three of 14 from the field, had a historically bad shooting game. So Virginia Tech wins that game by 30, which, you know, looking back on it, great, you have a win over a bubble team. Beating UVA is significant, but losing the first time to UVA when you had that game, you were up with four minutes left, right? You, you were leading that game with four minutes left. So, I mean, Virginia Tech's had their opportunities both in conference play and out of conference play, right? And they have played well over the last month. Certainly, you know, they've won eight out of nine. If they made literally two more three pointers against North Carolina, they would have won nine straight games. They, they played well enough to win that game. So Virginia Tech's playing better. The problem is like they had so many mediocre performances earlier in the year 
and it was a tough non-conference schedule. But Virginia Tech certainly had some games in there they should have won. The Xavier game, the Memphis they were leading in the Memphis game, right? The Memphis game got away from them in the second half. Leading against Xavier, that got away from them. Leading, leading in, in parts of that first half against Dayton, that got away from them on the road. So Virginia Tech's had their opportunities this year. Um, before you even consider the bad losses to NC State and BC. So like Ricky mentioned, when you're a bubble team, you have just as much to cheer about as you do to complain about, right? There's a reason you're on the bubble. And Virginia Tech's got Louisville and they got Clemson to finish out the year. Louisville's got an interim head coach right now. If you don't beat Louisville, that's pathetic. You've got to beat Louisville. And then you've got to go and beat Clemson to end the year. And Virginia Tech's looking right now like a six or seven seed in the ACC tournament. The reason why that's significant is because if you end up being locked into one of those two seeds, you avoid Duke in the second round that you're playing, right? In the ACC quarterfinals, essentially. So that seems like that's going to be pretty significant to not have to play a rested Duke team. So hopefully Virginia Tech wins the next two because that's the only way they're going to get into the field is winning the next two, barring an ACC tournament win championship. Um, so you're going to have to win the next two. You have to play probably the winner of NC State and Louisville, quite frankly. And then you're probably going to play Notre Dame is how it's looking. And Notre Dame's got a good squad, but Virginia Tech matches up well against Notre Dame, right? You can't really say the same about Duke. Virginia Tech's got it, you know, they haven't played well against Duke this year. I don't think anyone in the ACC matches up well against Duke. Right, right. But, but Virginia Tech matches up a lot better against a Notre Dame in the ACC quarterfinal than they do against a team like Duke. So try to stay on that six or seven seed line, which winning the next two would would get Virginia Tech in that conversation. I also think, you know, people want to say, well, look how we're playing right now. And as I mentioned before, I think this team does have the ability to play themselves into the tournament without actually having to win the ACC tournament. I, I think that's a, a very real possibility. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's likely because it's college basketball. When you have this slim of margin for error, you know, there's no such thing as a guarantee, but if you want to say, oh, like the losses were earlier in the season, they were just trying to get it together. Well, you weren't saying that last year when you wanted to use the Villanova win as clout towards your seating, number one. And number two, this shouldn't have been a team that required the early part of the season to get going. Memphis can make that argument because they have two 17-year-olds, right? right? But Virginia Tech is a bunch of- They're starting years, three seniors. Yeah, starting three seniors, seniors and juniors, many of which, if not most of which, the core guys have played together for almost three years now. This should have been a team that came out the gates hot. And that's kind of what we all expected. And it didn't happen. And it's unfortunate for sure but you kind of got to sleep in the bed that you made. And at this point, Virginia Tech has created a situation where in the latter part of the season, and as Mike mentioned, when we were railing on them in January, you can't call it a season in January because anything can happen. And that's true. They have won eight out of nine basketball games and credit to the highest level to this team and Mike Young, because many college basketball teams and programs and, you know, they would have folded under those circumstances, but Virginia Tech has it. But at the end of the day, you have to live with the reality of the situation. And though you might believe Virginia Tech to be a tournament caliber team, which I do, I believe that if you put Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed, as an eight seed, as a nine seed, they could win that first round game. And I don't think anyone is, I mean, obviously matchups matter, but plenty of good caliber NCAA basketball teams would not be signing up for a second round or first round matchup with Virginia Tech. 
That's just the truth. But at the end of the day, you know, you are judged by the totality of your resume that you created and the computer rankings can say all they want. It comes down to wins and losses. Sometimes Virginia tech needs three, if not four more wins. Yeah. I would say three at minimum. If yeah. they, if they only win, you know, two of their next three games, then we're not, we're, we're not going to have a, a very fun Sunday. Um, no. If, if they don't even get a, uh, a fourth game, then yeah, we're not, we're certainly not going to have a very fun Sunday. I mean, because that means Virginia tech would have lost to either Louisville Clemson or NC state or Louisville again, essentially in the first round of the ACC tournament, which yeah. all of those can be constituted at this point as teams, Virginia tech. And actually to, to be quite honest, I'm, I think if they go, if they win the next two in the regular season, win their first game in the tournament and then lose in the next round, I'm pro- I'm going to feel like they're not going to make it. Um, the only way I would feel even remotely confident is if they win at least four. So uh, work's cut out for you, boys. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, especially if they end up playing Louisville or Clemson again in the first round of the tournament, we know how tough it can be to beat teams um, twice in one season, especially when that time span is like the span of two weeks. Fortunately, Virginia tech has done that already against <laughs> Pittsburgh doing it make twice it easy, in three though, days. That first that didn't make it easy for that first game though I mean, dear god yeah, yeah um which speaking of not making it easy like tech almost lost to georgia tech just yeah. a few days ago and That's what I'm saying. yeah like this team does not enjoy a comfortable win like they don't they're very few and far between florida state's been pretty much it i mean other pittsburgh, than that it's pittsburgh tight. part two i suppose oh, pittsburgh part two. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 but like yeah. But that, that almost feels like kind of the the calling part of our program, right? Like this isn't the same way in football. Like tech does not like to have very comfortable wins in either football or basketball. They always like to make the fans sweat it out a little bit, get a little nervous, maybe throw a remote, uh, do something uh, outrageous. Um, it just seems like that's kind of life of being a Hokie, I guess. And that's how you end up with a fan base and alumni base full of very passionate, you know, consumed by the sport, but ultimately at the end of the day, still very cynical fans. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Unfortunately, a lot of us are very jaded, very cynical. Um, I don't know of anyone in this group that would be jaded or cynical. I can't think of a single person on this podcast that would ever (laughs) – be cynical about Virginia Tech. No, certainly not here. So, Mike, you, you pay pretty close attention to the the league as a whole, and I think that Clemson and Louisville haven't really made waves. But I mean, we know the situation with Louisville has really devolved, and Chris Mack is out, and they've lost like you know nineteen of twenty or something crazy like that. But between the two, who who, who poses the tougher matchup? for Virginia Tech. I've seen a little bit of Clemson. I, I, I like the P.J. Hall kid. I, I wish we could have gotten him in orange and maroon. Alas, that's not the case, but he looks like a big contributor for Clemson. Yeah, it's certainly Clemson. If, if P.J. Hall's healthy, I know he's a little banged up, hurt his foot. Um, you know, if, if he plays, they're a different team. He's a kid that Virginia Tech was really, really trying to land, and he ends up going to Clemson. Everybody was like, wait, what? Why is he going to Clemson with Brownell? That doesn't make sense. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think Clemson is is just flat out a better team than Louisville. So I, th- I think Clemson is uh, going to present Virginia Tech more issues. But at the same time, don't get it twisted. Virginia Tech should win both of these games. I mean, not only do they need to, they should. Um, they're going to be yeah, favored I mean, in both, both these games. Both of these teams are 6-12 and 12 in the conference. Yeah. And they're sub-500 overall. So um, Virginia Tech needs to win these two games without question and they should win both of these games without question. If you're going to play your way in, in March, um, you have to win these kinds of games. Yeah. The margin for error. I mean, not only with wins, the margin for error is almost zero. Yeah. I mean, there, Virginia tech has not been, there's been no margin, right. Or it's been very, very thin since the beginning of February, really since the Miami loss, it was like, all right, well, now what? Like that was an opportunity to get what was at the time a quadrant two win, and Virginia Tech had played better the entire game. They lost. That one felt like the dagger. It felt like me. the dagger. Yeah, it, it did feel like the dagger. Um, and Virginia Tech, there were some signs because that you know they they lost Miami and they lost to North Carolina, but there were some signs offensively after the BC game was really really bad. But it felt like Virginia Tech, you know, after losing to Carolina, losing to Miami, it did feel like the offense was starting to play better. So while it did feel like the dagger to the season, and ultimately we may look back on it and say, yeah, that, that was the dagger to the season, right? If Virginia Tech misses the tournament, you know, the team as a whole has, for the most part, played better. Now they have games where they shoot it better and they have games where they play better defense, but by and large, like the defense has improved drastically over the last month. How about month. Darius Maddox? Man, not only, first of all, I tweeted this at, like during the Georgia Tech game. You can't you 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 can't convince me that Darius Maddox isn't like the best shooter I've ever seen, right? I feel like every shot, I, and I'm joking, obviously, okay, but I feel like every right. shot, I feel like every shot he takes goes in right now, right? And it's one of those. I felt that way with Jalen Cohn too when he was here. It's like every time he puts it up, it feels like it's going in. Felt that way with J. Rob. Felt Jaylen that way with Jalen Cohn would get cold at times. We have, we just haven't, and maybe we haven't had the opportunity to see it because he hasn't gotten the significant minutes that maybe his play warrants. But I mean, go to my Twitter feed or, or, or just search up um, my good friend Doug Bowman from 247 Sports. He tweeted out Darius Maddox's shooting chart, and it's red hot from pretty much every part of the floor. Yeah. Like I mean, the every dude shot just he hits takes, buckets. Every time he, sh- every shot he takes right now feels like it's going in, which is great. I mean, Tex he needed kinda- that. He kind of struggled against Virginia and Carolina, but if you exclude those two games, which it's obviously, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cherry picking here, but his last five, he scored 10 against Syracuse, 12 against Georgia Tech, and 13 against Miami, including the game winner. And he's 10 of 14 from the field in his last two games in a six of seven, excuse me, um, Yeah, six of seven from three. I can't do math. There it is. Um, over those last two games. I mean, he had – and see, this is what we have been clamoring for for weeks. We have been talking yeah. about the need to get him more offensive opportunities, get him the ball, let him make some make some magic happen. Uh, we've been talking about that for a while, and – I'm glad that we're finally seeing it, but it's a shame that we are only seeing it at least what feels like over the last, you know, month or so. Um, there was just such a long stretch where he was not getting the opportunities to get into a rhythm and to make an impact. 
Yeah, Mike Young was saying that Maddox's offense obviously has been very good. But the reason that Maddox has been seeing the floor more is because his defense has been improving, which I can buy because the team defense as a whole has been improving, right? Yeah. Like Hunter Couture with the deflection, right? We talked about the Max game winner. I mean, Hunter Couture's deflection made that play, right? He deflects it. It goes into Max's hands. And then obviously Maddox makes a play, you know, to have the wherewithal, the court awareness to take a step back, right? To take a gather step back and hit the three instead of a long two to have that court awareness is obviously pretty significant. Um, but Hunter Couture, for as poorly as he's shot the ball at times here since the Florida State game, his defense has led Virginia Tech. Like, defensively, he is leading the defense. Like, he is the guy that makes it all go for Virginia Tech on that end of the floor. And I think a big reason why Virginia Tech has been on this streak, right, winning eight out of nine games and playing better basketball is because of their team defense. Of course, they've shot the ball better, but they've had also easier opportunities at the other other end of the floor because they're creating opportunities with their defense. They're just playing a lot better on that end, a lot more consistently on that end. That's what's giving them the opportunity to, A, win close games, but B, just flat out win games at all, right? It's been the defensive improvement in my mind. I mean, I'm Darius Maddox, right? It's not just the significance of him hitting the shot, which he had the opportunity to hit. I think it speaks to his development and how Mike Young views him today versus maybe how Mike Young viewed him on December the 25th, that he was even in the game at that juncture, right? You're not going to put in a guy that, A, you don't trust to take the shot if he's going to take it, and B, a guy that you believe to be a massive or even remote defensive liability yeah if you truly don't believe that you know he, he is the man for that moment and i think that on christmas day in mike young's mind darius maddox wouldn't have been there in that scenario right. but today he is and i i think that you know as much as we view this as maybe sort of kind of all or nothing because of the fifth-year seniors on the team and the, the leadership of Aluma and knowing that he's going to be gone. But we've seen the emergence of Maddox. And we've also seen the emergence of Sean Padula, who, you know, over the course of this winning streak has, I mean, gone from kind of a no-name to a household name for Virginia Tech fans. And, and you can see a scenario with Couture returning, uh, Aline returning, those two guys back. You do some work in the transfer portal, uh, you know, particularly to get another big man. I mean, you might not be able to get Keve Aluma 2.0, but, you know, add, add some depth to that front court. And, you know, maybe we don't need to expect the downturn for Virginia Tech in 2022, 2023 that we might have assumed when we thought the season was dead in the water and been like, you know, after that Miami game, we're like, wow, we're going to miss the tournament. And it's going to be an uphill climb from here because all the guys we're going to lose. Yeah, and that's before even adding in, you know, some Rodney of the freshmen that, that that could contribute, like Rodney Rice, like an MJ Walker, um, you know, like a Patrick Wessler, right? Like guys who you talk about front court players. Do I expect a seven footer to be ready right away coming out of high school? No, not necessarily. That's why you go into the transfer portal and, and find guys to, you know, supplement a loss of a Kevin Aluma, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Virginia Tech, you know, having Pedula and Maddox and David Gusan, who's played 
pretty well over the last nine games, like having those guys begin to emerge and kind of grow into their roles as, as freshmen and sophomores is obviously encouraging for the future, considering, you know, who Virginia Tech has returning next year and who they're bringing in, you know, to have some of these young guys begin to contribute at a significant level as freshmen and sophomores and um, having them play well and play significant minutes in the ACC is only going to help Virginia Tech moving forward. But yeah, Padula and Maddox in particular, you know, Mike Young has a trust in them now to put them out there and play them in significant moments. I mean, Padula played almost the entire second half on Saturday against Miami. Maddox was in there obviously down the stretch and, and hit that big three, the game winner, but he was in there for a reason. If Mike, and, and, and let, let's make this clear too, right? Because a big talking point for Mike Young was I need to trust them on the defensive end, right? If these young guys are going to play, I need to trust them defensively. Well, Padula and Maddox were both in on the most pivotal defensive possession of the game on Saturday. They were both in the game. They're both in there. They're both playing, right? So Mike Young's got that trust in him now, right? And Couture made a big play on the deflection on the inbounds pass and Maddox hit a huge three, right? So again, the, the trust in the young guys, like Mike Young has gained that trust over the last four or five weeks. Those guys are a big reason why Virginia Tech is where they are, right? And even in the conversation after a three and what, what were they? Three and seven in the ACC, two, two and, and seven, seven in the ACC? Oh and four, two and seven. Oh and four, two and seven. Yeah. So they were in a very bad way, right? And now they're sitting here at 18 and 11, 10 and eight with an opportunity to finish the season with potentially two more wins, a 20 win regular season with 12 wins in conference play, considering where they were at in late January, it's shocking the turnaround, right? It's shocking. Everybody's played better, right? And it's all started on the defensive end of the floor. And I think if Virginia tech wants to win three games, four games here coming up, it's going to have to be, riding their defense because we know this team has a tendency to go cold offensively. Can they keep themselves in the game with their defense? That's a big question. All right. So we probably won't record again until after the Clemson game. Yeah. In both of your minds, when we record that next podcast, is the conversation going to be Virginia tech going into the ACC tournament and how can they play their way into the NCAA tournament, or do you believe that it's going to be kind of a postmortem uh, reflecting on the disappointment of what could have been because of a bad loss down the stretch when they really needed one? I think we're going to be recapping two wins. Um, I don't say that with a ton of certainty just because Virginia Tech is a flawed team and flawed teams do what flawed teams do, which is do things that you wouldn't expect. And Virginia Tech should win both of these games. We've said that. I think that that's accurate. The atmosphere in the um, in the Louisville game tomorrow night should be pretty impressive, I think. I'm certainly hoping so. Um, I have no idea what it'll look like in Clemson um, on a 2 p.m. Saturday tip for a team that is certainly not going anywhere um, after the ACC tournament. But I, ultimately, I think Virginia Tech will win both of these games. I certainly hope we are at that point. Um, I really don't feel like doing a postmortem in early March. That would be uh, very disappointing. And unfortunately, you know, the, the first half of the season was very disappointing. 
but uh, yet here we are. Virginia Tech has a chance to make the NCAA tournament, and considering the um, the struggles this program went through for the first, uh, I don't know, dozen or so games, um, just getting to the tournament would be a success uh, right now. So certainly hope we can get to that point. Yeah, I also think Virginia Tech wins the next two. I mean, I, look, when you win a big game, it can sometimes spark a run, right, which is what we saw after Florida State, you know, to start the start the win streak and, and to win eight out of nine games. Winning an improbable game like this, when you're scratching and clawing and you know where you stand, where every win counts. I thought Andrew made a really good point earlier when he said that this team's been playing tournament games for the better part of the last month. I think that's a hundred percent accurate. Like they were, we, and, and we mentioned, like we thought they were dead in the water after the Miami game. And the fact that they were able to beat Florida state spark a run and win an improbable game, right. When you turn the ball over 19, when you, when you turn the ball over 19 times, I talked about 21 assists on 29 made shots. That's great. But when you turn over 19 times, that negates all of that. Right. And that's why Virginia tech only won this game by a point and they very well could have lost it. But when you win a game that you absolutely have to have, right. Especially on the road in conference play, I think it could spark something. And, you know, you have the, the final home game for the seniors tomorrow night, you go on the road to play a bad Clemson team to finish out the year next weekend. Just, finish this strong and give yourself a fighting chance, which I think is what this team has done since the beginning of February. They're giving themselves a chance. So I, I think, I think tech wins the next two. And I think we're going into the ACC tournament feeling pretty good about where things stand fully acknowledging that we know that there's still work to do. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Right. Because I think when we were having those conversations, when we thought they were dead in the water, we looked at the schedule and said, well, there's, you know, there's not a game on the list of these 15 games remaining that I don't believe Virginia Tech has a chance to win, like, or that realistically could win. But we had seen them lose to NC State. We had seen them lose to Boston College. We had seen them shrivel up in the biggest moments that they had faced so far that year. And it just seems so unlikely that they could put something together like this. So I'm kind of torn, right? Because now... We have a large sample size of Virginia Tech finding ways to get it done. And in the back of your mind, you always keep the bad moments. Close game with Georgia Tech, almost blowing it against Pittsburgh. You know, the, the bad losses that came before that and said, well, they, they could easily lose to a Clemson. And of course, the shadows in the closets of 30 years of Louisville games past, obviously, are going to leave Virginia Tech fans nervous going into that one, no matter what, especially, you know, weird time, 9 p.m. Who knows how the environment's going to be. Uh, if you're in Blacksburg or in the area, please come out. Team needs the support. You know, you, you want to have that Castle Coliseum environment there. But I, I think they can get it done. And I, I, I'm always a hope for the best, expect the worst guy. But I, I like their chances. They're going to have to play better than they did over the course of the last three games. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, scratching my neck with, with, with three minutes left these times around. But, you know, I, I think that Mike's right. That kind of win could be the spark plug that really propels them into overdrive over the course of these last two, 
three, hopefully at least four games of the year. Uh, okay, so I guess that's pretty good on men's basketball. Just want to give a shout out to the women's basketball team. Yeah, I was at Castle Coliseum on Sunday night, and I think one of the defining characteristics of women's basketball is that you have your top three, four teams, and then there's a massive gap between them and everyone else. Well, North Carolina State is currently deemed to be the third best team in women's college basketball. Virginia Tech has played them twice and lost by a combined nine points. In perspective, Louisville's another good team. You know, Virginia Tech hung in there with them and ultimately ended up losing by double digits. Notre Dame's a good team, too. Notre Dame beat Virginia Tech. Louisville went up 31-3 to in the first quarter against Notre Dame on the same day. Beat it, the hell. Beat the hell out of them. Yes. <laughs> it, it is easy at that level of college basketball and in the women's game to just totally let a superior opponent get away from you. Virginia Tech never did that. They fought to the last moment. They had a shot to win. And I'm interested to see what they do in the ACC tournament. Uh, looks like they're going to play Clemson or Syracuse in the first round. If they win that game, uh, they have a chance to play a North Carolina team who they've already beaten. And if they can win those two, then you get round three with NC state, obviously going to be challenging, but, uh, Virginia Tech has proven themselves to be a worthy opponent. You know, all the credit in the world to Kenny Brooks, um, you know, a, a vision that has been realized for him in Blacksburg. And I'm sure he would tell you they're just getting started. But, you know, <laughs> just really competitive, really deep, and, and a program that showed, for the for lack of a better term, a hell of a lot of grit out there uh, on Saturday afternoon. So proud of that team. Yeah, uh, I've been on the Kenny Brooks train since day one honestly. And you're not going to find very many people in the business as nice as Kenny. And he has added so much talent to that program. It's, uh, it's just really fun to watch and, and he deserves all the good things coming to him and the team. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do in the tournament. Yeah, this is, um, certainly the best women's team I've seen Virginia tech have, um, since I've been following them. I mean, this and is there's just... a good chance that Liz Kitley wins player of the year in the ACC, which would yeah. be, uh, yeah. which would be not only a great recruiting boost to the program, but also a, a worthy reward for what's been a really, really good season. She's as dominant as any, um, any, any player in the country, really. I think, honestly. Yeah. You talk about MVP awards being the most valuable player to your team. And I think you can see, and Virginia Tech is a very deep team. I mean, obviously, yeah, they, they, they've got a lot of talent around her, but her her ability and her skill set makes the whole thing go. Uh, they would, they would certainly. I'm not. I don't know if they would be a tournament team without her. I'd like to think that they would be, but they certainly wouldn't be this good. Completely agree. And I, I think the main competitor for ACC Player of the Year is and her name escapes me the girl on nc state who's also tall also blonde that also wears number 33 and i think nc state fared a little bit better when she got into foul trouble than virginia tech did when liz did it and but honestly again credit to virginia tech for being able to stay in the game when you have kitley with four fouls with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and they had to go that four minute stretch without her and you know number 33 on the other side was still in and, and they hung tough so good for the Hokies. excited to see uh 
what draw they get. And I think it'd be really cool if they could make a little magic happen in the uh, ACC tournament, maybe secure a four seed. And then we have, uh, and we have some first round matchups in Blacksburg, which I think would be really cool for the program and, uh, and uh, really cool for the university and the community as a whole. And shout out to the fans, great attendance at yesterday's game. Uh, it was an important one. And uh, the fan base uh, responded to the call. The, however, however, the athletic department could have opened more concession stands. I don't think they anticipated the attendance they ultimately got. So you had like 60, 70 person deep lines to oh. grab a hot dog, popcorn, and a soda or a, uh, or a beer, if, that, if that's your preference. It's mine. <laughs> but, uh, Whatever guess we, that. And as we explained earlier in the podcast, it is also mine. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that – I don't know. Well, um, I, I'm just it, – it, a lot of us, especially our age, guys, we don't really remember Virginia Tech women's basketball in the 2000s when it was a really, really, really good team. Like they were one of – they were like a top 25 team every year. And um, to to be able to see that program kind of have a revival under Kenny is just it's just awesome. And again, there there are few people as nice and as welcoming and as as uh, genuine as Kenny Brooks. And um, the impact that he has made on that program was evident from from year one. And I'm just ex- I'm, I'm I'm glad that he's going to be in Blacksburg for a long time. Uh, I guess more shout outs to come uh, indoor track and field continues to be one of the most dominant Dave programs. Cinelli is one of my favorite people. He was one of my favorite interviews. I interviewed him uh, when I was working for TSL and um, that interview lasted about four hours <laughs> and him and I had the best time and I learned so much about that program and he, he's done wonders over there for sure. Yeah, no, they continue to be awesome. ACC champions on both the uh, the men's and the women's side. Hoagie softball is nasty. Good for them. Only two Keely losses. Keely Rochard is just sick. She's a beast. She's nasty. Just, just she sick. Is in, she is uh, a modern-day Roger Clemens uh, without the steroids. <laughs> She's the Hall of Famer in yeah, my that's mind. An, that's yeah, an important, important distinction. Important Nolan distinction. Ryan. Nolan Ryan, sorry. I was... No, well, she's not beating you... anybody up on the field either. Like she could if she wanted to. <laughs> yeah, she she could probably whip somebody's ass if she needed. I to. want her. I want her on my side in the fight. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, and hokey baseball. Uh, I mean, obviously the the level of competition is not necessarily reflective of what they'll see as the year progresses, but no issues so far. And Gavin Cross is still a beast. It'll be cool uh, one day when that kid makes it to the bigs and the Hokies have a a real, uh, you know, hopefully dominant if he can hit at the professional level the way he's hitting so far in his early college career because uh, he's a monster. And hopefully uh, that program can kind of get a little revenge from what looked like a promising season early on last year and then kind of uh, fizzled out towards the end. And ultimately they didn't make the NCAA tournament. So good on them too. I'm excited for the weather to warm up a little bit here in Blacksburg and I can enjoy some weekend series out there at English Field. Yeah, I still haven't been to an English field game yet, and I need to make that happen. Yeah, once uh, they redid the stadium and uh, up the concessions a little bit, I became a regular. But uh, 
And shout out Evan Hughes, by the way. I always give him credit for uh, all baseball and women's basketball wins, but I also blame him when they lose. So, you know, in the spirit of fairness. Uh, <laughs> anything else, guys? Any last words before we uh, sign off here? Well, I told y'all I wanted to rant about the blackout for a little bit. And um, like, th that's just inexcusable, right? <laughs> you have a bubble team in your conference and you can't get them on television in their home market. Um, that like the, the, the ACC network has been such an utter failure uh, from the start. And it's honestly an embarrassment and it's very disappointing. Um, and it's shameful that Virginia tech basketball cannot get off the blackout in a game in late February, right before the tournament, when they're on the bubble, uh, the ACC needs to be better. There's just no, there's no two ways about it. I don't know. I, I'm not all that read into TV rights and, and what all their options are, but you can, you can't tell me that there's another way to get it done. I agree. As somebody who was not able to watch the game live on Saturday, I agree. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't able to yeah. watch it live. I was at a bar. Shout out uh, PKs. Shout out Chris Coleman. Always oh, a fun guy to watch a hooky basketball game with. I haven't had a PKs chicken wing in far too long. Come down for spring game, Rick. Well, you said you are. So I am coming down for spring game. Um, absolutely. I have yet to determine whether or not I will be in the press box or if I will be in the uh, in the stands. I could always pull a Mike McDaniel and just wear like generic, just, both, golf, just wear generic golf attire to the game and then show up to the press conference. Um, and then surprise the hell out of me when he sat next to me. Hell yeah. It worked. <laughs> that it does. That was that so does. funny. Like, what's up, dude? It's like, wait, where the press conference and this guy just walks in in a, like a titleist hat. He's got like the vest over the golf shirt. He's wearing shorts. Looks like he just got off playing nine. Like he got off work and went and played nine holes. And he sits down next to me. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? It's Mike McDaniel. What's up, bro? <laughs> By the way, maybe my singular favorite moment on Twitter. Because, of course, we're all wearing masks, right? So, like, I couldn't see his face. And th th that was why I was shook, because I had no idea it was him. Right. If I didn't I have a mask on, you would recognize me right away. Yeah. My singular favorite Twitter moment of the last week was Mike tweeting, <laughs> like, I'm, like, you know, tired of paying $78 for a few bags of groceries. And some dude responds, $78 a lot to you. Maybe you should get another job. I'm like, bro, this dude's working like a hundred hours a week. Yeah, He's already got two, bro. I'm not sure maybe, how many more. <laughs> maybe our groceries, maybe. And, and I mean, Hey, I don't want to stir the pot, but now I'm going to stir the pot. Maybe <laughs> just maybe the same four bags of groceries weren't $78 about a year and a half ago. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just, just saying. Just saying. I, I, just a thought. I, I think, I think or even getting... six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> no or even six months ago. Okay. Don't go try to buy a used car right now. I'll tell you that much. But yeah. before we go too far off the rails, let's call this one. Uh, shout out to our good friends over at Main Street Farm. Rate, review, subscribe. Yep. Can't, Do all can't that. Mikey would have forgotten that. And uh, it's just shameful that I have to remind him every week. Andrew got me going. And just say it. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the last thing we need is to get Mike McDaniel up on his 
his his podium given his uh his his stump speech when there is a fire in mike mcdaniel's soul i come with the overpriced gasoline <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah nothing like nothing like filling up my honda accord that cost him like 65 dollars but yeah i was i was riding in tennessee with my dad and he was like god it's 340 and i was like dude <laughs> I, I would been, love for gas to be been 340 that, here. Been that in Virginia Beach for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Through that. All right. Peace to the people of Ukraine. Until then, go home. God Hokies. bless y'all.